0: The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense or United States government.
1: Right now, I want to deep dive into debt force inputs into PSP. So a lot of people, if you don't know what PSP is, that is the professional officer corps selection um, process. So that is what determines who gets a slot On the other side to be officers, okay? It's a very selective process, okay? It's all determined by some things that are way beyond our pay grades. Uh, You you know, if you really deep dive into what determines those numbers, it gets to way into the weeds. We're not going into that. We're just talking about us. Air Force ROTC debt for. So what I want, the discussion I want to have with you guys, you guys are the experts here. I expect you guys to go all the way through and go all the way in, okay? So if you understand, if you, we recall... Our, our PSP selections or our numbers, at least our inputs for PSP last year was, General, what was that number? What was your class size? 30 something? Uh,
2: we had about, I think it was 36 and 34 of us got picked up, I believe. My okay. numbers might be like one or two
1: off. Okay. Okay. And in the year before that, that was Valentine, right? Okay. And what was you guys' numbers?
3: I cannot remember, but I think 25 of us got picked up. But there's just a few that... somewhere A little bit more. I think 27. I, I
1: I, think it was bigger than that. Because I think by the time I finished teaching you guys, you guys were like 24, 25. So it had to be more. We had
0: over 40 initially when we first started the semester.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know
0: for a fact. It was almost 50. It was a really big class at first. That's what we had four flights. Yeah.
1: We were 48. Yeah, and, and, and attrition got you guys, right? That happens. And then you guys' class... Uh, Wade and Ballesteros, what were you guys looking like? A class of
4: 23. We had 48, Um, I believe.
0: Yeah, and then initially for the first round of PSP, it was only 16 selected. So it was like, it was a 36% acceptance rate for us. But then the supplemental board helped us get 10 more. So then we ended up being 26.
1: That's right. I remember that. Yeah. And there
4: was 48% selection after that.
1: Yeah so now now how are we looking you guys all know this how are we looking this this year how many did we start off with and how many are going oh, to the psp yeah That's a so that would
2: be probably a- me I th- yeah it's like- flight commander so i don't know initially how many IMTs there were last year but i do know there w- were a lot um and now we are down to 13 potential FTPers to go up to the board. Don't know how many will will get accepted, but there will be about 13, 12 to 13 going to the board.
1: OK, so that is a, that's significantly lower than our, our past um, our past numbers from from our detachment. So, yeah, you guys can note I mean, and tell me you guys are all leaders within your cadet wing. Uh, And and I want to send a particular message to the IMT. They are the target. They are the target of this conversation because I want them to be aware of what's going on. What were some of the factors that you guys noticed that were, you know, were cutting your folks down, like literally down like, like trees. What were, what what were some of those, those elements that you guys noticed that knocked some of your folks out of the running? If,
2: so, like, I know for this class, the the FTPs right now, a big thing was this AFOQT change that they did mid-semester of you, instead of saying, oh, you need to attempt the AFOQT, oh, no, 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 you need to pass the AFOQT. And that took a lot of people out because people... Might not have passed it the first time, and I even talked to um, an old cadet who was like, "Oh yeah, I just straight up didn't catch the memo that we had to have taken it or we had to have passed it." So I was about to go into the semester of only attempting it. So I think that's the big one for this class.
1: What else? What What else are some of the elements that just just you know knocked folks out of the runnings?
0: I would say definitely um, GP and PFA, like there were yet qualified yet to even pass on to the next semester because their GPA, yeah. I mean, it already would be as it is from that December. No, that would be going onto their their PSP package in their PFA.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh uh, sorry. Yeah, that was something yeah, ahead, that Brandtel. I was gonna say was the top priorities. That's the biggest thing I thought was lacking from their class was GPA PFA. And um that's something that we've been like really installing into the INT this semester, starting out like you have to be on top of it now because it's gonna catch up to you. Because like at the end of the day, if you don't make the make it into the program, you still have your degree. And you know, like if you're failing, if you're being a really good cadet, but you have like a bad PFA score, bad GPA, like you just won't make it. And that class is a prime example of those who prioritize maybe their cadet performance over their academics.
1: Are there yeah. were there any and on your level, did you guys detect any external factors outside of that that would um, that impacted? hundred oh, percent. Okay, what you
2: Hundred oh, percent. Uh, dobmer. Let's talk about that for thirty seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. Genuinely, people who have conditions where it's unchangeable and it's almost sucks because then they'll come back from being dobmer, being like, "Oh, I wish I could change this," and it's like, "Don't beat yourself up. You can't change what you're given." But, you know, you can you can bloom where you're planted and find something else. So I think Dobmerb is a big thing um, because Dobmerb will get people on the most random things. Like I heard about a case for this one girl who had eczema on her arms and they were like, nope, you can't be in the Air Force because of that. So,
1: yeah, yeah. we're not doctors. So I tell I guarantee you, Cadre, we we feel for you guys because you guys got some really sharp potential in, in every one of your classes they they get hit by dot Merv and there's nothing we can do about it there's nothing we can do about it. we are not doctors we cannot do the thing so uh but we feel for you guys but um uh, in addition to this I want to add this behaviors um patterns what are some of the things that you guys saw because I'm sure you guys could have just whether they you saw it in their behaviors uh, elite lab evaluations things of that you know you know people are, are people are on the ball right? So I'm asking you guys were your predictions for certain people pretty accurate or or was it a like what was it a factor in some of those people that dropped out what was did you see anything in common was there anything that you noticed in common when it came to their attitudes, behavior patterns and things like that or is there nothing
2: I don't think I could be a good judge of on that because I haven't seen this one. I haven't seen this FTP class. I haven't seen another class under me go through PSP. And again, we had like a 92% success rate in my class alone. So again, I think I'm a little biased. Um.
3: So since I kind of got a chance to oversee training last semester, the biggest thing I noticed with that FTP class was like complacency. A lot of them were okay with just being average or below average. Like a lot of times their supervisors and flight commanders would be on them like, hey, like you need to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just like the care, like they just didn't care to grow. They were okay with just being where they are. And it's starting to catch up to them because now the new FTP flight commanders and training staff is trying to like instill some things into them that they should have already had as an IMT cadet. And this next part might be a hot take, but I feel like as a POC core, we might have failed them a little bit because... As a POC, our customers are the GMC cadets and they are a reflection of us. And I think we're now playing catch up with the IMT and we're trying to, we're trying our hardest to get ahead of it so that we don't repeat those same mistakes. Of course, with that FTP class, there's a lot of things that went into it. But as a POC core, like with our training, we could have been a little bit more intentional with it. And I think we're always focused on FTP and we never focus on IMT, but we forget that those IMT cadets are going to be the new FTP cadets.
2: I just want to quickly just say like while I agree with that but um with what Valentine is saying but I also disagree with that because it's like you know it should be something that the person recognizes early on what makes a good cadet because we tell it to them loud and clear every year and you know as much as yes we are the role models we are the examples they shouldn't take that for what it is like they shouldn't like not try hard just because you know some poc have an easier degree or easier poc role and sometimes say some things that are like oh yeah this is easy for me like it's going to be different for everyone like genuinely people are going to have a harder time for for on some things than other people so i think it boils down to how much drive and determination are in those cadets because it's up, it's up to how you do it. Like I could have had, I've had a flight commander in the past that wasn't very good. Like I've also, and I've been told that too in my face, like now being a POC, oh, your flight commander this year was really bad, but it's like my flight still did great because we all were understood the baseline of we need academics and then fitness and then cadet performance.
0: I think like one of the things that I'm grateful about, you know, my FTP class, despite it being hard, is because of the fact that it was hard due to all the circumstances, it made us perform better because we knew our chances were already so low because people were already saying it's only going to be five of you guys or 10 of you guys. And we had a lot of things, you know, with going on within our environment, people being like, oh, it sucks to suck or being like, it's you against you. And that's why we had a lot of cultural things that we had to fix up, you know, moving on forward. But that made us really, really try our hardest because none of us or a lot of us didn't have plan B's or plan C's. And look how it worked out. A lot of us didn't get chosen. So it's like you were really, truly fighting for your career at that point because you didn't know. Even if you were on scholarship, we had people with scholarship that got kicked, you know, booted. So like you were nobody was truly safe. And I think those circumstances made us perform better because we knew it wasn't going to be easy.
3: Yeah, I think for our class two years ago, going up to the PSP, we use your guys' class as an example. Like, we saw, like, how much of you guys weren't probably going to make it. Like, I remember when we were 100, um sorry, um, there was a big talk with you guys saying, like, hey, there's a big chance a lot of you guys don't make it. And it just, like, something in our class made us want to do better. Like, that was a big driving force. Like, we all just wanted to make it. And then I think going to General's class, what, a 92%, like, everyone got almost got through. So maybe this class that's right under just kind of saw as an example last year's FTP class that most of them got through like we'll be fine. And they didn't see what we saw in the previous years on how like cutthroat it was.
2: Yeah. I I definitely agree with that too, because while you saw visually what happened to um Ballesteros and Wade's class, we got mentored by them while you were going through your FTP year. They were our flight commanders. They were our squadron commanders. And so we were constantly told that like nothing is ever guaranteed. And like, you know, this class is probably going to dwindle. And so I think that was our mindset always going in. So we were never expecting as high as success rates as we got because of it.
4: I want to put out a word for Not only that, this is for the POC cadets out there, those who might be training cadets that are trying to get across the line. um, When you're in the position of evaluating and, you know, mentoring cadets to get to the line, don't ever tell them your speculated results. It's like the worst thing that you can do is like, I think that the results are going to be this and this, and then you're just letting them build up anxiety in their minds. And that was some things that, you know, I was really disappointed about when I was a GMC cadet is, you know, just do your job and don't, you know, try and make a facade for them to hope that they can get across. Just be honest. And another thing is also the POCs. We this is something we really only talk about when, you know, we're doing our talks with the training staff and stuff. But as a trainer, your job is to, yes, get cadets across the line, but it is to identify ones that should not cross the line as well. And that's also a reason that cadets and it's different for among detachments, but why FTP classes are of different sizes. You know, our ftp class was forty-eight or forty five plus, and the current one is now thirteen because of the differing, you know, pursuits of how we went about it. And it all depends on the the cadre, because the cadre can take different approaches on it depending on the commander Uh, our previous commander a goal was to we're going to try our best and we're hoping that we can get as many across as we can and we'll let you know the the blue suitors the big blue make the cut and i won't do that and now the the current mindset is we're going to bring the best of the best and the best of the best only and if you're not meeting it there i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna recommend you because I'm going to do that job myself, make my boss's job a little bit easier. So as you go about your training and you think back on why our detachment is the way it is now. Those are the things that POC and upcoming should reflect on.
1: Yeah. And it- OK, so oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Bye, go ahead. <laughs> I was
0: just going to say I really do like Colonel's vision better because i got to be honest, there were some POC that I'm like why are you here? You know, and you know, like, once you get to the POC, it's just not like it's guaranteed, but it's, it is it is easier for you to commission because you're already past that stage. Right. And I'm like, and I still remember going to field training because there was so many commanders at that point that their perspective was, you know, the air force will, you know, eliminate them, but you got there and you're like, how are you even here? You know, like how, I don't even know how you're going to lead people once you leave here, you know, type of question that like you're just seeing all these people and their behaviors and their attitudes. But I think like in general, just moving back to here depth for oftentimes I feel like as flight commanders or even uh, training squadron commanders, we are really good at teaching people how to be better in ROTC, you know, how to march better, how to do about HACES, how to be effective in the DLP. But we aren't teaching them how to be effective in life, you know, like you aren't doing that above and beyond thing and to make them sure like to succeed in other areas or get to know them on an the interpersonal level. Being like, I know, you know, why you're the reason like this, whether it's your your, pa- your mom just passed away, your dad just, you know, isn't in the picture, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, like, how can I help them help themselves in a way, you know, and it's it's a lot of giving as a flight commander, but that's that's the burden of responsibility that goes with the job. And I'm sorry, but oftentimes people forget that as flight leadership or squadron leadership, like you have to go that extra end because you can make it or break it for them. and. What I'm from, what I know, you're whenever you're mentored the most is whenever you're succeeded the most, you know, and it's just how it is too.
4: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: So, yeah, go ahead.
4: I think that's what separates a good trainer and a bad one is. Do anybody can go out there and teach drill? Like we could literally grab a thousand cadets from UNLV's campus and we could teach them drill in probably two hours. And we could have them doing column movements by the end of that two hours. And you can consider yourself a flight commander if you did that. But I think the ones that are really successful are the ones who are digging in and addressing those really tough things that you probably never talked about with, you know, any of your friends or anyone before. Probably only things that like your parents would say to you is, oh, you have an attitude problem or you have a very bad communication you know, the debris that you have with your cadets at the end of the week, if you're just telling them, um, your drill knowledge is really bad, make sure you come back next week and it's better. If that's what you're leaving cadets with, then they are not going to be ready. And unfortunately, you're the one that's causing them to probably not get selected. From my experience, the cadets that do the best that are currently in our program are the ones that either I know I personally have talked to or others have really dug down deep and said, this is something that we need to really. Change about you because I think it's going to take you to the next level, and if you really care about it, they're going to care about it too, and they're going to shoot up to the stars. Hundred percent, I think it happens every time. So that's a that's a nugget.
1: So with that, you know, again, I mentioned that you know in my in my opening statements that when when a when a cadet, you know, you know, does not make the cut. And, and they don't, and they don't do their thing. I take personal accountability for that too. I don't take it fully. Right. I do ask myself, is there something I could have done better to trigger that light bulb? Right. Uh, I, I don't just go to bed and turn the, you know, go into my bed and, you know, turn the AC on and, 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 you know, go to, go to sleep. You know, I, I don't do that. Right. I I do think about it. I do reflect on it. And I I, I guarantee you every last cadre member thinks about it. Um, and asks ourselves for a moment, even if it's just for a moment, and the answer is absolutely 100%, they did it to themselves, right? But we do ask for every last individual, did we do our due diligence to get this person where they needed to be? Did we present all the information? Did we give them that? Did we ask about them, right? Uh, And what motivates them? I bet you, most of the time, the answer is no. We don't. We still don't know what, what drives that person. We still don't know what gets them in the, in the gear. Sometimes it does, and they just—they're just not—they're just, not, just not cut for it, and that's—that's that's fine. But let me go ahead and give you guys the, you know, the actual real how we feel as cadre. Okay, show up just ready to roll. Show up just ready to work it out. Show up, you know, saying, "Hey, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going into, but I'm gonna give it my all." Right. I going to ask those questions. I'm going to do those things. I'm going to do my due diligence. Right. I'm not going to be mediocre. This is the United States Air Force and Space Force. And this is not, you know, this is an officer program, not the enlisted program. And I'm not down in the enlisted program. You got to be a thinker in the enlisted program. Right? You go to the enlisted recruiter, they're like, you need this, 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 and this. Well, the Navy doesn't require that. Well, the Army doesn't require. Well, you're not joining those departments. You're joining this one. So if the enlisted corps getting in there is hard, what do you think about the officer program? Right? We need, you know, the enlisted people need people who can not only do the job but lead. So I think here's the thing. Here's where I think the change dramatically happened, and the IMT needs to get this down now. Okay. When Colonel Young took command. And he sat down with the old cadre and the new cadre. He said, what do you guys spend your, the most time on? And, it, and it's not, the juice is not worth the squeeze. And we all looked at each other. That was Major Carpenter. That was Major Belisario. That was myself. That was Major Baker. We all looked at each other and said, we spend too much time chasing cadets. We pursue their commissions more than they do. And that's wasting our time. And he looked, he sat there for a second. He said, oh, that's easy. I said, we just won't chase them. We we won't pursue them. We are going to change our mindsets in which the information will be presented to them. It will be transparent. It is for them to do the thing. I'm going to lay my my standards and they're going to have to chase the standards. My standards. His standards are above Air Force ROTC standards or whatever. So if you chase his standards, you should be in a good spot. The problem was they were, the folks were were not, they were doing mediocre things. These are average things that keep you in the program, but they don't get you any further, right? To the, your milestones. So when that, when that brick wall hit, he was like, I don't know what to tell you, right? Your academics are clearly not enough. Your behavior, your 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 attitude, your, all these things are not what we want. So you, you, you simply hit the brick wall and you go, right? And, it, and we, we move on, right? Because there's a lot of people on our boat and we got a place to go and you guys are not pedaling. You guys are not, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not helping out at all. Like you're, you're not helping yourselves. You're not, you're wasting a lot of time, your personal time uh, amongst all. So once that culture got set into the mindset, I don't know if you guys noticed there was a change. I think, I think Valentine, Wade, I I know you guys noticed a change in mentality. You know, we were like, no, here's the information. You chase it. If you have questions, you come ask us. We're not going to come in there and say, well, why aren't you doing your stuff? Like, no, we're going to wait until you hit that wall. And then we're going to be like, I don't know what to tell you. You know what the academic, uh, you know what the the priorities are. So that's what we ended up doing in order to make sure that you all know that for the next generation, hey, this is a big boy, big girl program. Here's the information. Go seek the mentorship right? And put it all together. So that's where we got it. There's some things that are uncontrollable, right? Such as Dod-Murb and and things of that nature. We can't control that, right? We got that. We understand. But I would recommend to the IMT and to everybody who's interested in ROTC, stay ready so you never have to get ready. Because things change Right smack dab in the fall of 2023 where you guys had to pass your AFOQT. If you had it passed, or you at least had points on the board, you would not be as stressed out. Stay ready so you never had to get ready. This is an active duty thing, too. Major, having a master's degree for major always goes back and forth. It depends on the chief of staff of the Air Force. Okay. Get your master's. Because if you don't get your masters, I know I'm pivoting off. One of those chief of staffs of the Air Force is gonna say it's mandatory and you're going to be up for majors board, and you're not ready. See? So what I'm saying, that's that kind of ref, like, made me think of that. So keep that in mind. IMTers, stay ready so you don't ever have to get ready. Go get the information. These people ahead of you, they know, right? The cadre, they know. Go ask questions. Do not just coast because coasting gets, gets you nowhere. It will get you dropped off, all right? Do you guys have any advice for the IMT at this point in time? I pretty much said it just uh,
2: come and find us and talk to us. If you need help, we'll, we'll tell it to you straight.
1: Yeah. I, I have, I have faith in this IMT. I feel like they have a lot of potential, but you guys as a cadet wing have to let them know, Hey, this is a big boy, big girl program. Mediocre mediocrity will not be tolerated. You will run into a wall. Right. But we're at the top of the wall with our handout out. We're, we're willing to give you a hand and boost you and get you across Right. But if you don't ask the questions, if you don't seek the knowledge, if you don't want to be here, then you know, via your behavior, your attitude, then what are we doing? Right. So with that being said, I do want to pivot into the next thing, which uh, I heard this, you know, said from uh, Major Larray Johnson. She's one of uh, she's an OFC out there in Carolina. Um, she's a missileer as well. And she's been my supervisor when I was at uh, F.E. Warren. Um, she mentioned that her uh, supervisor mentioned that. The USAF is specialized and the Space Force is particularly specialized in interesting the qualify, not qualifying the interested. So with that being said, what are you guys' thoughts about that quote? And do you guys have any examples of which, you know, that I mean, now you don't have to be personal, but I'm saying like overall where that would come into play.
4: I got a great example. I mean, go for it.
0: All right. You can go first, Dante.
4: Alrighty, never mind. Okay, so
2: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too polite to each other.
4: Y'all polite. All right, so a great example for that: Captain Sutton, the recruiting officer at our detachment, right? He recruits. He brings people into the detachment. Or this goes for any recruiter for the military. The recruiters, they do not go out there and look for overweight people to bring into the military, right? That's just not their their natural. That's not the knee jerker that's getting them to do their job they're looking for the people that are go-getters that when they walk past that table, their head turns and they say, oh, I think this guy's got it in him." So if you're coming into the program or any program and you're not meeting the educational standards, the fitness standards, you're overweight, it is much harder for anybody to be on your train to try and get you interested to keep going if you're not already you know, qualified to meet those standards yourself, especially if you're not going towards them and putting effort towards it. It's something that you see quite a bit. And it's it's really easy to delineate the people who come in based off of, you know, an example like that. That's pretty much it.
2: I would... I 100% agree. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I would say that, like, I'm not in
0: 100% agreeance with the quote. I get its intent. But I think the fact that everybody, well, due to the fact that everybody comes from so many different families, upbringings, school systems, you know, like when you're saying interesting, the qualified, not everybody's going to be qualified in regards to the AFICT due to their educational system. Not everybody's going to be up to standards in regards to their fitness if their family never really regarded fitness as their priority, right? They're... I think it's more up to the values that that person has within themselves like i will i do want to get better like i will get better type mentality because I, like for example for myself i'm gonna be honest my family did not prioritize fitness even though i was in j in high school they did not i remember when i first started going to the gym in college to get prepared for my pfa it was a huge twist in my family they were like why are you going to the gym you're wasting your time like it was It was like that. And you're like, no, like I want to get better. But see, there's a difference compared to like Wade's family. He was out here in the gym ever since he was like 12 years old. I wasn't. And so it's like people have so many differences that like there has to be a common compromise and like an entry level system, right? A phase where they people have to put in their efforts to make make sure they stay. But I don't know, just saying, interesting, the qualify doesn't make it the most fair to me especially if you want diversity because not everybody's going to come from the same type of system
1: that and that's can, fair so so like if i can get this out real quick so no the primary objective of the the united states air force and space force dod <sighs> is not is interesting that those who are already qualified if the interested walk in the door then sure i'm going to give you the information there's a lot of rotc cadets who come in they're overweight like like way said they they Their academics are not great, but they can get into the program or whatever. That's what Captain Sutton is designed to do. He filters through that stuff and says, "Okay, but no kidding. This is what you're going to have to do. Right. You're not at this point in time, you're not qualified to commission, but this is what you're going to have to do in order to become qualified. Right. So the interest, the interest transforms into qualification and then we can work with you. We can continue to work with you and develop you, but we're still going to give you the tools. And I'm not trying to lead you either way. I'm just saying. That the the purpose of this quote is our specialty, is what they're trying to get at. Is our specialty we want to interest to qualify, right, and, and and not qualify necessarily the interested because interested people lose interest unless we give them something to spark it all the time because they're just interested. We got to keep them sparked. But if you're qualified, it's a different animal. General, what do you have? <sighs>
2: Um, I kind of on the the middle ground between uh, Wade and Ballesteros, I think while there is an element of saying, yeah, anyone can join, I think it needs to be like the caveat of saying like, you know, not anyone can join, not just anyone can join seriously, because I hate to say it, but there will be people who will end up just wasting our time. And they could probably, they could be taking a spot of someone who actually is qualified or close to being qualified. So let me go into the other side of it. Yeah. There are people who are not always qualified the first few months. It's fine, but they just need to know that they need to work their tushies off to be able to get qualified and they should get qualified. Like seriously, like they should be guaranteeing themselves a quality, like being qualified by like the beginning of their FTP semester. If they're not like there, it's going to be really hard to change what they've got by in three four months. So I think like there's there's there needs to be a middle ground of like you're only missing one or two numbers to be qualified, and that's what we should allow because again I think we're wasting space yeah. with people who are just unqualified from the get go.
4: You look at the changes in like so, here and
1: go ahead. So, so I got go to, I'll get this out. So here's where the cadre comes in, right? And we we talk about these during camps, right? We find the people who are making progress. I'm gonna call them out. Gilcrease killing it, like completely, went, broke a limit, right? And you guys can can call out some cadets who yeah, they buddy. came in and they weren't quite doing well, and all of a sudden they broke through the gate, right? I see progress. We like that we like progress right i'm talking about the people who have interest but they are not elevating themselves they are still struggling with the basics that they need in order to get things going and the progress is not really showing it's stagnant right so if you don't if those, those are people who probably don't look inside themselves and say hey i got to get better you know what i mean or or else these scores are going to stay the same and i'm not going to make any progress right to where i want to go so the cadre is is in any other cadre. I'm telling you, would be would ultimately be tired of just carrying people who are just staying stagnant and not progressing. We want the people who show progress. We want the people who are killing BMI BFA, although they were not killing BMI BFA. We want that. That shows grit, as as Colonel Young says. That shows wanting to get it done. So, but if you look at it, there are some cadets across the nation. are just kind of staying on that coastline they stay they they just they don't do anything extra they're ordinary and we don't want the ordinary we want the extraordinary because we can give them something that'll turn that extraordinary into something even better but and that's what we want to spend time on right we want to spend time on the people who want to be here and they show it every time they are here they might not have it when they first walk in the door but if they can show adaptivity and they can show that they're trying to get there then that's the people we want we want them Right. Like I, I know, Biasteros, in the beginning, you said, man, my PFA wasn't great, right? My first one wasn't great. But where are you at now, right? You made progress to that point, right? So, and that's why we changed the rule back three years ago, some odd years ago, because everybody deserves a chance. Everybody deserves some grace and some mercy, right? When it comes to getting to the expectations. But if you're in and you're just doing the same thing, kick, kicking out the same amount of energy, eh. Right. I don't know. Right. It's debatable. Uh, so we don't want to waste our time doing that. We don't want to waste their time either. Right. So, again, they're going to be leaders of people someday. We we cannot sign off. We cannot co-sign on something like that and say that they're good to go. I hope that makes sense. Wade, what do you got?
4: I was just going to kind of tie it back to Is that. He still here? Yeah, okay. yeah. I was just going to tie it back to how we were talking about the AFOQT, how they made it now like a past thing and, you know, kind of the theme of this podcast and what we're talking about with PSV and all that, the, the air force is getting smaller and smaller every year where the intent is to make the air force a more small and lethal capable group. So I think that going forward, it's only going to get tighter. It's going to be looking for those more top prospecting cadets who are already interested and, because of that interest, already got themselves qualified because we're not going to play games with you trying to take three attempts on the QT when you got one month before the PSP board and maybe you're overweight and you haven't lost any weight in the past, you know, one year that you've been in the program. I think it's going to be a lot harder for those kind of people going forward. And you really got to be about it if you want to get through. That's it.
0: Uh, only thing like I would add to this is like I understand there's certain metrics that we deem as qualified. And there's some people that look absolutely fantastic on paper. You know, PFA, good AFOKT, good, good GPA, but as a person, you're like, oh, this like they're gonna they're gonna not be good for other people when they, you know, commission. So the only thing I would say, and I feel like our cadre are pretty good like here debt for, but like I don't even know if there's gonna be other cadres listening to us. Um just really dwell deep into the character and personality of that person that you're trying to commission, despite them looking good on paper. Like you got to make sure that they kind of like the whole general, uh, uh, two-star general concept, right? You look good on paper and look what happened then, you know, like, I don't know, just being careful, like truly not just, Oh, they look good on paper. Okay, cool. Let's commission them. Like, no, like be really introspective.
1: And that's why Cadre jumped in there couple of years ago when Colonel Young said that that was one of his big things right okay let's ask the cadet wing about these people right because we don't we see we as cadres see what we see right they're not going to act a fool in the debt for the most part right but there's some things that you guys know right there's some character traits that you see behavior patterns that you see that does that does not look good on paper and nor does it ask right and since then you guys have been able to sit down and talk with us and say Hey, here's our top performers, and here's our bottom performers and here why they're on the bottom, right? Is it something controllable or uncontrollable, right? Hey, this person doesn't have the attitude. Oh, what do you know? They don't have the GPA, they don't have this or this, right? So why are we wasting our time? So I think Cadre has gotten to the point where we want to we sit with you guys very often and get that information for you guys from you guys so we can make better decisions. So Um, because like you said, not everybody looks great on paper. And I think since we've started doing that, the cadet wing has like risen as far as like trusting that the cadre do have you guys' interest in heart. Um, we, we do care about what you guys think, how you guys evaluate each other. And and we care about how the next generation of air force, uh, lieutenants are going to look again, we're your co-signers. And if you guys tell us there's a trait that that does not belong, we're going to look into it, right? And we're going to find it if it's there. And we're going to clearly sign off on letting that person go um we We want people of character right and 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 they're qualified. We want that too. We want their behaviors and their attitudes to be infectious in a positive in a positive manner um so I think a lot has changed since since Colonel sat down and you got we all got the chance to talk to him and, and get it straight. A lot of things have have ironed themselves out, and I think that's the reason why you know, things like PSP and things have changed. It's it's a dramatic change. I'm thinking it's dramatic because we changed dramatically. We changed our culture. Right. And, and we don't carry, you know, everybody across the PSP line. You got to walk yourself down there. Right. At the end of the day, you got to get yourself across. So, you know, here's your backpack full of knowledge. Right. And you got to walk yourself through there, you know, um, because that's just the beginning. Because when you make it through PSP, that ain't it. When you make it to lieutenant, that's not it right? When you make it to captain, that's not it. It gets worse. It gets harder. So we're just simply trying to prepare you for what the challenges are ahead. We don't have the words for those. You just have to figure that out on your own via your battle scars. But the little things that we can do here at ROTC, like Colonel said, four or five-year interview, that's what we're looking for, right? Some things are recoverable and some things are not. So with that being said, um, we'll go ahead and and pivot that. I appreciate you guys' input um that that was that was really, really productive in my opinion. Okay. So just to kind of lo- uh, soften the mood here, you know, make sure, you know, everybody ends on a light note, because we've been out there doing our thing and getting brutal out there. It is what it is. We got uh Cadet Valentine. She's gonna give us the the game of the week so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. It'll be a little bit challenging for us. So uh by all means, uh Cadet Valentine, please do your thing, all right, man.
3: All right, so today we're gonna play a quick round of hot seat. We're gonna I'm gonna go around just asking each of you a question and you guys have five you guys have about five seconds before you start answering. Um the goal is to share the first thing that comes to your mind to reveal your authentic response. And since the theme of this week is failure, um, that is a focus of these questions. Um does anyone have any questions before you proceed? No? All right. <laughs> oh, All right, we're gonna start off with biasteros. Um the first question I have for <laughs> you. <laughs> If you could go back and fill out <laughs> something again, just to learn the lesson you did, what would it be and why?
0: Being flight command, what, What? no, being wing commander, <laughs> sorry. I meant to say wing commander. Oh, yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, and
0: cool. the lesson being, you're not gonna make everybody happy, but as long as you know you're doing the right thing, it's okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> hey, that boy, hey, man. <laughs> All
0: right, this
3: next one is for Captain Sledge. Um, if failure had a flavor, what would it
1: taste like in Hawaii? Cantaloupe. Absolutely mm. 100% cantaloupe. Yeah. I he hates that stuff. Hey, cantaloupe. I hate watermelon. I hate melon. If I was on an island of cantaloupe, I would be dead. Oh okay? God. It's nothing I can do about it. I can smell it a mile away. It's it's horrible. Sometimes I swear I'll I'm bring pregnant. It into class. Because it's it, that see? see <laughs> that's how you're going to get an F. So it's like that's don't be messing around all right i can't do cantaloupe cantaloupe, please (laughs) do not okay so if failure had a if failure had a taste or a flavor it would absolutely be 100% cantaloupe or onion but i'll go with cantaloupe (laughs)
3: all right this next one's for general share a failure that felt devastating at the time but ultimately led to unexpected positive outcomes
2: um. Okay, so this is taking it back to high school for me. I was super cocky. I was going to move up to like the next level of the dance classes. It was um, I took dance in high school and I did it for about
4: so you think you uh, dance. ten years. Dance,
2: dance, dance. <laughs> so I was super cocky and was like, "Yeah, I'm going to move up to dance four. Like easy, no problem. Like." I was I barely like worked on the the routines for the tryouts and stuff like that, and I got I was like super super again cocky that I was gonna make it, and I was working with a partner, and she was one of my friends at the time. She was super nervous and was like super not into it and was scared and stuff like that and she practiced a lot and um, she was like I'm probably not gonna make it and then oh how the tables turned I didn't get it but she did and I was devastated I was crying it was right like they announced it literally the Friday before spring break so I was crying all spring break I was super super sad and It just led me to, you know, want to move up. So that next year I completely dedicated myself to working and like asking for feedback from my teacher and being like, what could I do to like get better so that I can be in the next level? And she just consistently coached me and I consistently tried to work on making it better. And there you have it. I moved up for the next, uh, the two tryouts preceding that I moved up both times. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. (laughs)
3: This next one's for Wade. What's the most bizarre or unexpected thing you've learned from a failure?
1: Christmas (laughs) presents always get her something. (laughs) (laughs) She clearly lying when she said, Don't get me anything.
4: Yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. Flashback (laughs) to season one. Uh, Probably that I suck. When I was younger, um, I do a lot of sports and stuff and hang out with a lot of family. And i would always be like, I don't know, being athletic because of all the sports that my parents put me through. And like, I'm not saying developing my personality through all of that, but I was always like, man, as long as I try hard, I could do it. But then some things, you know, I just suck at like when I was coming up through elementary school and middle school, right before I moved to Vegas. I was in like advanced, I was like right in between normal people math and advanced math, like those accelerated classes. And I was like, man, I, I can do anything. you know. I've been getting all these good grades. And then I take this placement test with all the, There's like four of us in our class that got selected to take this test. And we all take it and everybody get their results and everybody gets their results and passes, but I fail. And I was like, damn, I suck. <laughs> and it was just like, that bittersweet taste that I'd never had before. But I think that the taste of that failure was sweet. Cause I was like, man, and look at me now. I, I finished Diffie Q's in college. So.
1: Huh.
3: <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs>
1: in your face, Charlie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
3: This next one's going to be for <laughs> Bayesteros. Describe a failure that in hindsight you can laugh about now.
1: Oh, man. Uh, I like none of them. This is
0: not really a. Thing. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why this is the first thing that popped in ba- into my head, but I don't know if this like actually counts because it was something so small. Uh-huh. But I remember. I don't, I don't know if it, it was while I was a wing commander or if it was while I was a TRS. But we were. It was during an L lab, and somebody. We were. The topic was to talk about Reveille, but for some reason, I didn't know what the word Reveille meant. And in front of everybody, I was like, oh, it's the music with the trumpet. Like, I don't know. I said it, like, publicly as if, like, whatever. And I like, kind of want to, like, and then it was uh, L.T. Mitchell that turned to me like, Revelly? you mean Revelly? like I mean like so disappointed and I was just in front of everybody and I don't know why in that moment I was like oh my god swallow me earth like <laughs> I was like I really I personally did not even know the name but it was so funny and it was something so small but I got so embarrassed and I'm like they're gonna make my call sign Revely or something I was really out here thinking it was gonna t- be next to me for like the next three years
3: No, I feel that. But yeah, like you said, like something that was so small for others, but it was so big for you and that you kept holding on to it. But that's good. You can just laugh about it now. (laughs) All right. Uh, So this next one's for you. Captain Sledge, what's the most valuable piece of advice you received from someone about dealing with failure?
1: Oh, that's pretty easy. Um, There are two types of people in the world. There are people who have hooked and people who will hook. Um, and if, for those who don't know what hooking is, this is for the flyers. When you take a ride and you hook a ride, that means you did not do very well in that ride. So, um, and you have to reaccomplish the the objectives. So that's for, you know, you weigh types, all right, who are trying to fly. Yeah, you hear the term hook. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. It, it's literally hooking you back to where you were. Um, and it's it is a safety mechanism. Um, because the reason why you hooked is they like, hey, they they just want you to have more familiarity with these objectives uh before you we you before you progress on forward. So, of course, I was going through RQ-170 training out there, Creech Air Force Base, my home planet, 30th Reconnaissance Squadron. And I was a brand new sensor operator, most people go through MQ9 or MQ1, MQ1 was fading out, but I I went I got put into this program where I didn't have any RPA experience at all. Believe it or not, Colonel Williams was the program manager in Virginia uh. that told the 30th Reconnaissance Squadron to recruit people like me and I ended up being his first. So and I was able to tell him now. I was like, "That was me." Like he was like, "No way." I was like, "Yeah, that was me." Anyway, the point is it was very very that aircraft and that platform was very hard for me to learn. Um, usually cause MQ nine is a, is a little bit more basic, but RQ 170 is a little bit more advanced. And I just went right into the advanced and it was difficult for me to grab it. And I was down because I got you know hooked a few times and, um, the DO, his call sign was animal at the time. And he was like, man, I was like, I, I know you're going through it right now. This is a whole thing. This whole thing is experiment, but there, there are two types of, there's two types of operators here in this squadron. And there's people that hook and people that will hook. It was like, and don't worry about it. Like, you'll be okay. Like, and, and for enough, he's the one that gave me the grace and mercy in order for me to progress through 30th and Squadron Flight uh, Flight Training Unit. And I was able to become a sensor operator oh. for that reason. Wow. At that
3: <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, sir. All right, General, you're yeah, next.
1: Buddy.
3: Describe a failure that made you question your beliefs or assumptions and how did that change your perspective?
2: Oh, that's... That's hard. Descri- so to re-clarify, describe a failure that changed like my point of view in life type yeah, of thing. Yeah, like idea. it made
3: you question your beliefs and then how did, from that outcome, how did it change your perspectives?
1: Ooh, it burns, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, it's
2: this hot. This is hard, I don't, <laughs> I'm it's like, like- It's okay, okay it whatever got to answer How do you I think know, about that I know,
1: I know, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> right, Look at the five that. seconds yeah. of your previous life. I don't
2: know. I, I, I've had issues in the past. I, I'm not going to get too specific on them because they're a little personal, but I've had issues in the past where like, I just have got, I got really hurt and it made me question like my beliefs in my religion. And I was just like, why, why, why did this, like, why did this happen to me? Why did like my life path get chosen for me like this? Cause this is just like, t- like a hit in the heart or like someone, like it felt like I was just like completely heartbroken and so it hurt a lot, and so it made me question it and uh it definitely made me it changed me in ways where I have still had to reap the percussions, and it's been like three or four years, maybe even five years now, and it's just like it's it's i've i still have the effects, and every once in a while it'll get brought up or every once in a while, like I'll just be like, "Oh damn, like I'm doing this because." like th- the way I'm acting and the way like I'm like my walls are up are because of this one issue so long ago.
3: Okay, sorry for putting on the spot there, but thanks
2: for sharing. <laughs> no, you're good. That was just like a loaded question. There's so many, but also like mm-hmm. none at the same time. Right. Wait, this last one's for you. If failure
3: were <laughs> if failure were a superhero, what would its superpowers be?
1: Dang. Whew. Damn! I didn't get that
5: question.
1: Five, four, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reflect now. Give me an answer.
4: It would be um, reflection superpowers, <laughs> like a mirror. Okay. You know what that is? Does that make a- sense? Elaborate a-, a
2: little bit. Like I could get on board. Th- with there's that? no
4: like M- Marvel yeah, 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 or yeah. DC characters that had that superpower, but there. Like imagine one where if somebody. I don't know. Shot a projectile at you or something. You could, I don't know, summon a mirror or something that would reflect said danger back. That would almost making fun. you look at no. Just of, look at me.
1: Look at the look mirror. Look at yeah. you from a different look at point you. of view. The like, they
4: would have like trans powers, not trans like men trans, but like trance. <laughs> where they could like make you look in the mirror and you would see all the failures that you've gone through in your life, and you will crumble and succumb. To the Some like like uh like, like, like
2: a looking glass kind of why, thing. Why did you bring <laughs> that
1: one back? Ugh, like a, like like
2: Like a looking glass sort of thing, but it's just all failures. Yeah,
4: and that's how they defeat you. They, <laughs> yeah, I want to go make, back there. They make you look at your, <laughs> make you fight your demons. <laughs> of
1: a, that's <laughs> Ugh, I just
0: got over that one. With mm-hmm. Like, the mirror, like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest on the yeah, wall? Yeah, like the totally. Color, it's no White. Tree.
1: Yeah, Tran would be... Yeah, he'd break the mirror. Tran has no regrets and failures oh, yeah. at all. Tran is living a dream. Zero.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Hi,
4: Tran.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tran, he's he's on there. What about Choni? Is she still there? Cam Cronister, You still floating around?
4: Take your exit. Turn right in three
1: miles. <laughs> <two>. <laughs> She's still trying. Okay, <laughs> got off
5: at uh, 54 Bravo. <laughs> yeah, you're like 40 minutes late. I'm good. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> this is not that counts.
1: Make a legal U turn. Okay. Do you have a question yeah. for
5: Valentine? This one's probably
3: going to put you on the spot because it's one of the last ones that I wasn't going to ask. I thought it was too hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, do that. um
3: If you could swap one. failures with any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? jeez oh, that's
5: wrong. Yeah, well,
4: I would do that yeah, one. Be careful with that one. You get the
1: easy. I know, right? What do you mean easy? (laughs) That's that's an easy one. Just answer the (laughs) question. Five, four, just answer the question.
5: Literally, the only failure I can think about (laughs) right now is uh, when Steve Hardy missed. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going (laughs) to say. See? That's exactly what I was going to say.
1: Exactly. And like,
5: the only re- and that came to me because I'm Colombian and I was so thrilled for about 0.2 seconds and then he ruined everyone's dream. See? But he recovered. I don't know. Okay, so uh, yeah, I guess I would swap a failure with him because he recovered so well and it felt like the rest of the world was not angry the next day, but I still <laughs> was. And it's because of like the rapport that he has set up behind you, which I guess could be a metaphor. For, for leadership, right? Like the more time and effort you invest in your people and the better they know you and the more often you give them the why behind a decision. when you aren't able to give them the why or when you mess up and you're like, my bad. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. But it's when you try to hide stuff that they're like, she's shady. Yeah, it
3: does. 100%. Mm-hmm. That's I like a your name. take on
5: that. Y'all are brown nosers. That <laughs> did
1: not make sense. But they are like,
5: yeah, that's great. Okay. No, I got it. Okay, okay right? Just joking.
1: So Steve Harvey's one of my mentors, folks. So I listen to him all the time and I, I that's why I particularly thought of that story. I was like, first of all, I'd swap out with him because he's rich. But and, and then he just Amen. recover and, and walk away. So Amen. but uh I looked into that situation and they said that they were they were just gonna they told him when he was about to go out there, they said, What are you doing? As I'm about to go out there and correct this. And he they said, No, we'll just get it in post. We'll just publish the right answer uh in, in the papers or whatever in tomorrow's meeting. He's like, I cannot do that. Like I've got to, I've got to make it right. Like and, and so, um, against popular, you know, you know, recommendations or whatever the case may would have been that would have saved his name and saved him that issue, he went back out there and go and went to fix it. And he was accountable. And yeah, he got all the scrutiny, he got all that, you know, X, Y, and Z, and they still give him a hard time about it. But at the same time, what what do we learn? He was accountable, and he he did it when he did it. Now I don't think mm-hmm. most people would have done that. I think some people would have backed mm-hmm. down, and said, "Yeah, we'll get it in post." You know what I mean? But to protect themselves and save their say their names a little bit because a lot of people don't read the paper. But you know what I'm saying. So, but he did. He went. He 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 messed up publicly. He came out and fixed it publicly, um, and I think that's that's uh, commendable. So I know uh, against that's you know against Captain Chronister's you know wishes she got two you know two seconds of glory but you know i, I i'm cool with it like i'm cool and, I, and he's rich so i'll be like yeah i'm cool i just i'll go crying a bitly <laughs> yeah yeah so, i was, no, was cool not bad see i told you i told you she's <laughs> under my wing i told you that what i was gonna told you that okay you guys are in good hands you're in good hands
3: sorry what i was gonna add is like yeah i was very noble of him to like own up to his mistake because he could have took the easy way out and just like posted a message and said all right that was the winner and kind of want to bring that back to like the air force and the leader like it's very hard sometimes to get up in front of your people and take accountability but like the best leaders are the ones who do that and it it usually gives the people under them a lot more respect for that leader to do that because again they could take the easy way out and just let people thinking that that mistake was okay Versus like coming up there and saying, hey, guys, like I made a mistake. This is actually the right thing or the right answer.
1: Cool. All right. Good stuff, you guys. OK, so let's wrap this thing up. We got a little bit of time. So, uh, again, as we as we wrap this thing up again, our theme is failure for those who are not tracking, you know, into this thing. Um, I, I want to just talk to you guys because I, I, this is my time that I get to mentor you guys. Uh, when it comes to failure, like I, I mentioned before, uh, several several times, I, I have failed a, a lot throughout my life. Uh, as I approach my 40th birthday, um, I reflect on a lot of things uh, in my life that I, I did not do so hot on. And I'm not talking about you know, you know being a kid, right? Kid is expected to fail. But as I reflect on my greatest failures, you know that those things still to this day hurt. But at the same time, they provide a lesson again for every adversity there's a lesson and a blessing for you guys to to look for right so i want you guys to teach the others that same thing um because it's they, they, they they will fail in this program they will fail at life um you guys will fail as you know partners you guys will fail as parents you'll fail as officers um you will miss marks left and right Um, but again, the power of just being able to be forgiving and, and showing people grace and mercy. Hey, it's okay. I've been there, right? Is this person recoverable? And most of the time the answer is yes. Uh, this person is recoverable. Now I'm not saying that discipline ain't coming. I didn't say that discipline's coming. We got to do our thing. We got to, we got to hold it down, but I'm saying, Hey, you got to let them know, Hey, you're recoverable from this. Like it's okay. You hooked seven times. Like it's, it's okay. Like we're going to get you to where we need to be. Do not feel bad. Get your head up. Um, And those are the times. And those are the people that uh, those are the times in the the people that remember that people remember the most. I guess that makes sense. Um, So with that being said, I want to kick this back to you guys because I want you guys to do a little bit more educating as we wrap this thing up. What we're, you know, and not to get too personal, but I want to circle around the the importance of the the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy right when you guys hit a failure point in your lives it who was your superhero at the time who was your hero that said you know what you failed ten thousand times but that ten thousand and first, and first you're gonna be drinking out of the victor's cup right don't worry about it who do you guys idolize when it came to your personal failures somebody that somebody that allowed you to get to that point of success
2: I can go and just say, Captain Sledge, you've always been there for me. And so I think I just recently dealt with a failure of some sorts and you were able to help me get back up onto the track, the road, the, the bus, what not, what have you. So I would say definitely you.
1: Appreciate that. It's my job. I just remember what they did for me. That's all it was. I ask you guys just to pass it down.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, if something like that or something of where one of my cadets this semester, me being a flight commander has something like that. I'll, I'll try and do the same as best as I can. And when I'm a lieutenant, captain, what have you, what not, like I'll, I'll definitely pass it down.
1: What else? You I got? guess I'll
5: hop on the sledge appreciation train. Oh, good um, grief. I cannot disclose the detail of the event that occurred. However, there was an event during UCT and I felt so sick about it. And I, I think, I think you noticed and you were like, Crony, what's up? Actually, back then, I think you were calling me a different name, but anyway, um, (laughs) you were like, what's up? And I was like, dude, this thing happened. And you were like, don't worry about it. I mean, don't do it again, but don't worry about it. And then as I have entered full-time active duty and been everywhere it happens a lot more than people think and it is not good but it happens so i have slowly learned to stress a little less not that it's not to lose the importance of whatever incident but not every mistake is the end of the world and you will be fine
0: yeah i'm gonna hop on the colonel young train like a lot of people get on him because like he's really hard but he only does that because he cares, you know, and like there's I'm just going to bring it back to like my wing commander semester where like I had a lot of situations where like I felt like I was failing significantly in multiple areas. And like he always still brought it brought me down to earth, I guess. And like, you know, like You're, you'll are you get better. And he was always ready with the tissue box, like I already got it from his table and I would just be there in his chair. And, you know, like he he gave me the confidence in myself when I when I did it a lot of times and like some that's something I'm gonna really appreciate it because I don't without like his mentorship despite it being hard sometimes I know it was it was really much needed, you know. So Okay,
3: I guess I'll go. Um so last semester, not last semester, but like last year for those who really know me, it was probably one of the hardest years of my life. Um and we were conducting like PFAs for FT um, and I was like kind of leading that and Sarah, Captain Sledge, like you came up to me one day and it's like, you just knew something was off because you asked that little simple line, like, how's it going? Like, how are you really? And I already just started breaking down. Like you you always just been such a good support system and I don't know, just maybe I'm very independent and I'm not one to really share, but just being that open resource and letting me know that like, everything's going to be okay. Like it, it's probably like hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause that's what I really felt at that moment but you just kept saying like just control the things that you can control and you try to like really mentor and walk me through it and I could say like now I'm in like a complete better spot and I feel so good and I finally do see the light at the end of the tunnel so thank you for that and kind of what you were saying by Steros with Colonel Young like he kind of knew my situation as well and he was just very like motivating and letting me like like he t- gave me that confidence that everything will be fine. Like that. I just have to trust myself and trust the process. Cause sometimes I just forget. And I get in my head, just thinking like everything's going wrong, but just taking a step back. But yeah, that's what I would say.
4: All right. Mine is, um, my parents. So yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that usually I'll take my punches to the chin and, you know, move on with my day. But I don't, really, I don't really go around to people around me too much. I don't know. That's just who I am. But when I do, I'll talk to my parents. So I got to give a shout out to the OG, you know, dear mama, Tupac. Dear mama. <laughs> she's the one that uh, usually always, she just likes to force things out of me, which is, I don't know, her specialty that she's. I guess been doing it for twenty three years, so that's why it works. But that's usually if I do ever feel the need to talk to somebody, old faithful mom and dad and my grandparents. You know, that's it. Simple.
1: I, I thought she was gonna say you're singing for them Billy Jean. Billy Jeans. Billie Jean's. Right yep. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> do. You better shout her out <laughs> right now because she probably want to hear that. Mm-hmm, Fledge, a shout out
4: to you she gave me the she gave me a fresh pair of jeans and now my nickname is billy jeans this week i got some blue denims (laughs) oh but uh whenever there's like minor things that do come up i'll i will talk to miss sledge so big shout out to her and anybody else really i mean if there is something i gotta deal with right now or need some advice the cadre will always be there because they're usually ones that i interact with so they're like why not
1: and here's the thing, as, as I wrap this up for real, um, there's a duality in being cadre. Uh, I, I kind of highlight where, where Cadet Valentine was trying to get at, um, you know, like this, you know, you know, Captain Sledge is, you know, and all this is is this, right? Uh, or Colonel Young is this. It is sometimes where we we are your heroes and there's sometimes that we are your villains. And that's what I'm going to go into next week. Um, that'll be the topic uh, entitled because... When we when we no longer fit the criteria or the narrative to be someone's hero, right? And we give them some criticism, then here comes they're your, they're your villain. And I, I see Bi- Biostella shaking her head. She knows she's been there, right? Where you don't fit the narrative, and and you're just giving somebody some feedback, or you're 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 enforcing you know the standards, and all of a sudden you're that person's villain now. And they some people don't react to that very well, and it's very it can be very toxic and very damaging. Um, so I, I want to you know that's definitely. What we're going to talk about next, because people are afraid to give feedback because they are afraid to be looked at as the bad guy. Well, I, for one, don't care, right? If it needs to be said, it needs to be said. I said what I said, right? It is what it is. So, make sure that you guys tune in for the audience. Tune in next week because we gonna get into down into the dirty on that one, because people are afraid to give feedback and they need to be getting that feedback. So, um, so with that being said, hey everybody. Talk to somebody who's different than you. Be safe out there. Be kind. You might learn something new about somebody else or about the world. Trust your divinity and the universe. All right. This is Red Alert. Our team signing out.
4: Toodles.